Amen. You may be present, seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful day. I love, I, I just love the overcast. I love the, 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 the fresh dew that the Lord has dropped on us. And just, I love the fall and spring seasons. I like it. I love the changing of the weather. It's just so beautiful to just see the hand of God as the, the leaves begin to change color and and things begin to uh, become dormant. I just love that season where things just kind of quiet down uh, and uh, get ready to, to recess our, our, our fall season. It's just a beautiful time of year, amen. So for those of you who don't have that, don't get to change another color of the leaves, come on to Colorful Colorado, amen, and enjoy our beautiful uh, transitioning season. But just want to uh, make sure that we are just keeping up, uh, keeping in prayer our our family and friends that are on that Florida coastline that got devastated by the hurricane, for the lives lost, for the homes that were lost. You know, so much is going on. And sometimes we often take God for granted. Amen? And that song, Silver and Gold, I mean, they've lost everything, everything. So that becomes a reality for them, that I've lost everything. And I just hope that they are reaching out to Jesus this morning. Amen. Just that because God is the one that can restore. God is the one that can replenish. Just turn to the book of Job and ask Job. Job will show you. Job will tell you about the ability of God to restore. But we want to keep them lifted up in prayer and do anything that we can do to assist them. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we are getting ready to uh, go into uh, the last quarter of the year, amen. We are, we are in October, so our, our year is winding up, and we want to make sure that we are doing all that we can uh, to make sure that our year ends successful, amen? You know, as, as, as things begin to wrap up, uh, we begin to set ourselves up for a new season, set ourselves up for the new year. We want to make sure that, you know, that we have closed the year outright, that we are closing our year outright. And I think one of the things that uh, we as a church, as we get ready to have our strategic planning meeting where we go in together, leadership goes in, and we forecast what um, God is calling us to do for 2023, that that's an exciting time, amen, to, to move forward, to get some fresh ideals, to come to the table and begin to just uh, hear from each other what God is saying for uh, 2023. And I hope that you are taking the time to really just begin to say, Lord, how do I, what do I do um, in 2023? How can I re-engage in 2023? We pray that the pandemic will not raise its head up again, amen, but that we will be able to convene, that we'll be able to come together and do the things God's called us to do because God's got some things in store for us this morning, amen. So let me just pray and then we are going to um, get into this word this morning. Uh, Father God, we come to you this morning. Father, we just surrender ourselves to you. We thank you, Father God, that you have allowed us to arise this morning, to breathe in your, your air, Father God, to breathe in a breath, to be able to function, to be able to come together, Lord, and worship your name. So this morning, Father God, we just want to bless you, God. God, we thank you. Father, we take a moment to just say, thank you, Jesus. Father God, your riches, Father God, are far more than we can conceive, Lord. We strive for silver and gold here on this earth, Father God, but we should be striving for you. So this morning, God, as we come before you with this word, we ask, Father God, that our hearts will be pliable and that we will heed the word of the Lord this morning, God. 
that you will teach us, Father God, how to increase our harvest, Father God, how to be good stewards of your money, Father God, how to build your kingdom, Father God, so that we reflect heaven here on earth. So we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. 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 If you could please stand for the reading of the word, we will be coming out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 6 to th through 15. I'm not going to read the entirety, but we will um, be talking about giving this morning. Amen? All right. Amen. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it reads, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about money. Amen? We're talking about gifts. We're going to talk about uh, our, our, our hard-earned money. You know, back, I was, I'm a 1960-born uh, child, so for those of you that were 1960 to probably 1975, 76, you'll remember this famous song that goes, money, 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 money. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> the OJs, all right? They came out with this song about money. Some people have got to have it. Some people really need it. And he goes, it'll do good things, good things. It'll do bad things, bad things. A woman will sell her precious body for the love of money. Amen? So that song, uh, was a, it was a popular hit back in the day. I mean, you know, basement parties, y'all don't know nothing about that. You know? <laughs> Where you go and you, you know, you give your quarter and you go down and, 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 and just party. And that, when that saint came on, everybody was, you know, money, money, money. Yeah, we all broke, but, you know, we knew the lyrics. <laughs> all we could do is sing it at that time because a quarter was a lot. <laughs> uh, but we want to speak about money this morning. And, you know, throughout Scripture, Jesus uh, is teaching us and explaining to us uh, what seed is, what money is, and how, how, we, should, how we should respond um, to money and how it's directly connected to our hearts. A lot of us uh, don't realize that our spiritual, our spiritual compass, our spiritual guide, our spiritual fortitude is really connected to um, our heart. It shows the spiritual condition of our heart. If you ever want to really find out you know, where a person is, and where their hope is, where, where their trust really lies, all you need to do is just look at their bank account. Amen? Because that is what, what you invest in, where your treasures are, what the things that you, that you find pleasure in, it will show up in your, in your bank account. Last night while I was preaching this, I uh, clicked onto my online account 
because I wanted to see I know most, most online accounts, it'll, it'll give you a view of your spending. It'll categorize your spending. And um, I looked at it, you know, just to make sure that I was on track and that um, I was spending right. And my biggest expense, of course, was household needs, rent, mortgage, and all that. Um, but my tithing was over 20%. And I was like, thank you, God, that, you know, I am staying focused to that because there was a time in my life, mm-mm, no way, no way was I giving up, you know, giving up that type of money. But through the growth and through knowledge and through just understanding the word of God, you, you, you grow more sensitive to understanding what the function of money is, really is for, why God created us. And how we are to use our money to upbuild the kingdom. So, you know, if your money ain't right, then your heart ain't right. Your life is not right. Let's just, let's just say, let's just, just put it out there. You know, if, if something is going on in your life, if there's things and problems that are going on in your life, um, you can often pin that back to, you know, just the improper alignment with God. The improper alignment of, of the obedience of doing what God created you to do. You see, God created man, and when he created Adam, he gave Adam absolutely everything he needed. God didn't, God did not create broke, poor people. Amen? And as Christians, we should not be broke and poor. Amen? We should not be living paycheck to paycheck. God created us to be fruitful. God created us to be multipliers. And so when God created Adam, before he created Adam, he had, he had created the garden. Amen? Everything Adam needed was already created. He didn't, create, he didn't create Adam and then just throw him into the garden and say, figure it out. But God had given him sun. He had given him rain, dew and mist and rain and trees and seas. And everything Adam would ever need was provided for him. And I want you to know that everything that you need has already been provided for you. Amen. And when God placed Adam into the garden, he said, be fruitful and multiply. That, that, that was his. That was his job. His job was to be fruitful and to multiply. And so God is saying to us through that passage of scripture is that anything that you need has already been created. The provision is already there. But most often, we don't understand the fact that, you know, we have to go to work. He didn't, he didn't throw guard, um, Adam into the garden and say, hey, just chill out. You know, I'll come and talk to you today. We'll see. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just chill. He told him, no, be fruitful and multiply to till and to work the soil. And as Adam began to do that, Adam began to see an abundance of resources come out. Amen. There was food. There was just multiplication of everything God had created because he was taking care of what God had called him to do. So this morning, I want to encourage you that when you walk into your gardens, amen, and that garden can be your job, that garden can be your home, take care of it, till it, till the soil. When you go to work, you're not just there to do your mundane task. But the work of the Lord is to, to go in, amen, and be fruitful and to multiply, to share the word of God, to share the love of God, to help your coworkers understand what multiple, multiplicity looks like, how you can come to work and you can be joyful and cheerful in any circumstances, in any situation, because God is the sustainer of you. And God wants us to, to till our gardens, amen. And to maintain them and to make sure that we are reaping a harvest. Amen? Every paycheck is a harvest 
in, in such, just as, as Adam would, would gather the fruit of the ground and, and the livestock and all that he was in charge of, he would, he would offer that back up to the Lord and he would say, God, look, look, what, I've, look what I've accomplished. Look what I've, I've learned how to do. And so um, because we don't understand the, the process of that and because Christendom has just kind of shifted and we've, we've made things so complicated. When we look at the garden situation, we see where Eve comes on scene and God, God created her. God had given her, given her all that she would need. But Adam did not tell Eve of, a, you know, basically the rules of the garden. I guess he was just too busy tilling and doing whatever he wants to do. We can interpret it any way he wants to. But as a woman, I'm like, what was he doing that caused her to go and, and, and uh, disobey God? Amen. And God had told Adam when he created the garden, all of this is yours, everything in this garden, but don't touch that one tree. Don't mess with that tree because the day you mess with it, you will surely die. And of course, we know the end of the story that they ended up getting evicted out of the garden. And a lot of times when we don't understand uh, that process, because we do it every day, we are picking on that tree, we are doing things that we know we are not supposed to do. As kingdom, as kingdom subjects, we know that we are not supposed to go to work and cheat on our time cards. We are not to take a, a, a time off, amen? We are not to do, do things that are not pleasing to God. God says, I want you to be there. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to be an example of, of what a Christ's life looks like. But most oftentimes, we begin to cheat. We begin to do things uh, with what God has given us for. And one of the things that we really struggle with so oftentimes it's the tithe, amen, and the offering. It's giving back to God what God already owns, what, all, what God already um, has blessed you with. A lot of times we find ourselves in situations because we've cheated um, and done something or we've bought something or we've used God's money to gain something. This morning we got on stuff that we know are, is on a credit card, amen, <laughs> that we purchased and our cars, our everything. We've, we're using God's money to satisfy our flesh. When God says, I created you, amen. I created you to be a, a, a light into this world and to be a help to, my, to me. So give your tithe to me first. But because of that um, incident, we can see um, in Cain and Abel, because uh, Cain uh, did not bring a proper offering to God and God confronted him with it, Cain became irritated and bittered and where he had the opportunity to rectify it he decided you know what I'm just I'm so hot and heated that he killed his brother and then we see where Ananias and Sapphira come before the church and they had sold us a piece of land and instead of giving the proper offering of the land they just they just flat out lied and, and decided that you know we're gonna keep some of this for us and so anytime that we um, approach God and we approach him with our tithe and offering that tithe and that offering is a sacred to God. That, that tithe and that offering is, is, uh, shows us the heart condition of us. And so the lack of obedience in our worship and in our tithes is killing our witness. It begins to kill our witness. It begins to, to kill the church. You know, it begins to, to put the church in a financial position to where they can't do or operate as God would want us to operate because we're too busy taking care of us. We're too busy making sure that we're okay. And, it's, and that is what we are supposed to do. I am not saying that you're not supposed to take care of yourself, your family, your mortgage. I mean, all of that. But God put a principle in place where he said, bring me first. Amen. 
bring me first the tithe and the offering and I will add everything. I will take care of you from that point on. So most of us, um, we just don't understand the impact uh, of the gifts. Um, and because of that, we are just uh, allowing the enemy to wreak havoc. Allowing the enemy to, to wreak havoc in our lives, to wreak havoc in our ministries. Because um, the devil could care less. The devil's like, I don't care if you pay your tithes or not. Uh, and he's going to entice you not to pay them. But that begins to wreak havoc in the kingdom of God because we don't have the sustenance to take care of ourselves. We don't have the sustenance to, to keep ministry running, to keep the lights on, to keep payroll going. And so we have to really understand the importance of the tithes. You know, um, I live out in, in uh, rural Parker, and every morning when I come in, I pass uh, the Mormon, not the Mormon, the Jehovah Witnesses have built a big convention hall uh, and um, huge, beautiful edifice. And the other day I was driving by it and they were out, you know, mowing the lawn and, and taking care of everything. And since the pandemic, I've only seen them convene one time since the pandemic. But that place is absolutely immaculate. They go out and they come and they volunteer. And you know, in the Jehovah Witness, you gotta, you gotta show your works. <laughs> um, and they volunteer and they keep it clean. They keep it nice. They pay their tithes. They pay their offerings. And every time I walk by, I'm just like, how, how do we, how does the, the Christians not get this? You know, how do we not apply that? They, they've taken a godly principle, amen? What they've done is taken a godly principle and they've applied it to us. But their, you know, their, their, their philosophy is, a, a, is somewhat twisted. But the principle stands, stands firm. The, temp, the principle continues to do what it's called to do. And I think as Christians, we have to understand that I have got to learn these principles. These principles are outlined in this word. And when we understand the principles, that's when we can see the reciprocity of God's word coming forth. So, um... Just quickly, in Malachi, God um, says to bring the whole, the whole tithe to the storehouse. Amen? He says, bring the tenth to the storehouse so that my house may have sustenance, that my house may be full. Uh, and when we don't do that... We don't understand what we're doing. We don't, stand, we don't understand that we are robbing God and we are robbing ourselves of all that God wants to do for us. When we don't come and we don't offer our tithes to the Lord or offer our tithes to the house, uh, God says that I'm just, the, the devourer is just going to be released. There's nothing else I can do about it. He said that, you know, when, when you don't, when you don't, uh, are not consistent or you're not paying your tithes or you're not being obedient in your tithes, the devourer is coming. We can get a bonus. We can get a raise. And two weeks later, we're like, didn't I, what, where did the money go? You know, how do I not, how am I not, I, I should be in a better position. But as soon as something happens, think, as soon as we get blessed by the Lord, the devourer is right there to snatch it out of our hands. And so we're going to stop the devourer today. Amen. Because God says that I will rebuke, the, in Malachi, God says that I will rebuke the devourer. He says, turn back to me and watch me, test me, try me, and see if I will not rebuke the devourer. And this morning, I'm, I'm rebuking the devourer, amen? As we rebuke the devourer, we will begin to, to, to reap a blessing that we will not have room enough to receive. Do you know that God wants to bless you? He wants to bless you. He wants to take you back to that academic state, that Garden of Eden state, where all you got to do is wake up, amen? 
Go outside. Go to your job. Do what God has told you. Till the soil. Be a witness. Be, be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And God will bless you. God will restore you. So as, as we as a church, um, we claim to worship the true God, but we just do not follow the principles outlined um, to partner with God and the result is God's kingdom is suffering here on earth. I did a quick <laughs> um, survey last night um, as I was studying just to see, you know, the status of the church and, uh, uh, and tithing statistics. And in, in this, in this uh, survey, it says that 5% of churchgoers tithe Five percent of churchgoers tithe. One point five million tithe out of two hundred and forty-seven million Christians, or claim to be Christians. One point five out of two hundred and forty-seven million Christians. Seventy-seven of seventy-seven percent of tithers give more than ten percent. But if every Christian tithe faith organizations would have an extra 1.3 or would have an extra 139 billion a billion each year it would be the equivalent of 139 billion each year the average giving uh, amount per church goers is $17 a week and that's $73.67 a month $884 a year i have to laugh because i'm just like we are robbing God, amen? Um, and U.S. Christians collect, collectively make $5.2 trillion annually. This survey came out of, uh, we use Realm, and this survey was done by Vanco, which is, is part of Realm. Uh, and this was one of the recent surveys they did. And when I was reading that, I was like, my goodness, if that is the average, then we really are in a bad place, Amen. And praise God, if you are not in that figure, amen, <laughs> that you are that one that is tithing correctly, then let's praise God for that. But there's some things that we've got to learn, and there's some things that we, we have to shift. So as we're looking at this uh, passage this morning, just uh, give you some literary context, um, what, was going on, what was going on when Paul had addressed this situation. Um, so... Paul was addressing uh, the churches, since Paul has, had, had started several churches, um, and, got, and some of the churches were doing well, some of them weren't. Some of them were giving, and some of them weren't. And your capacity to experience God's grace, it, it is tied up in your willingness to give. And so, as we look at, these, uh, we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to see um, that three things. In the grace of God, Christians are rewarded in, their way, in three ways— for their generosity. The givers are enriched. The givers, the receivers um, are not in need. The, the, the receivers' needs are met. And God is a source of all blessings to be praised. So we're going to look at those three things out of this passage. But Paul, um, Paul had previously, and if you were to go back and read, if you read in uh, chapter 8, verses 1 to Paul, Paul mentions the extreme measures of the Macedonian church, that they had gone out um, and they had grabbed hold of the word, and they were a blessing not only to him, but to his community, that they had got a revelation of what 
the tithe meant, what it meant to give to the household of God, and that their church was booming, amen, that the needs were being met, that, that no one was in lack, that their, their ministry had just flourished. And a lot of that probably was because of the Paul's teaching and uh, mentoring them. And they began modeling godly principles. They began to model godly concern over their community. And a spiritual change had took place uh, spiritual, uh, a spiritual change had taken place and the needs of the people were being met and they were happy and they were rejoicing. And Paul is reminding the Corinthians of what their commitment should be and how, they had, how the Macedonia church was flourishing, how the Macedonia church was becoming all that God had created it to be. And this morning, we want the house of restoration, amen, to understand the principles that were being outlined in Macedonia. You see, these churches, they, had, they, were, they were all over the place. They're like our churches today. If you were to go ahead and, you know, really start digging into what was going on, uh, you had your Jewish Christians, you had your Gentile Christians, there was, there was heresy, there was sexual immorality, there was men taking other men's wives, you name it, it was going on. There was lying, there was deceit, there was the lack of taking care of the widows, the lack of taking care of the poor. All these things were happening, and the church was not able to address these, these things. People would come to the church and ask for help, and there was nothing there that they could do. There was, no, there was no money, there was no sustenance, that they were able to reach out and meet the ministry needs of their community. But God, uh, through Paul, God was able to begin to switch that around, amen, through the Macedonia church. They were excited to give. When the Macedonia ch Macedonians came to worship, they were, more they were more excited about getting to the offering than they were about hearing the word because they had put their principles in place. And that's how we need to be. We need to be so excited about coming to church and getting a word and giving that offering. They became just like, they were fighting, amen, to get to, to the offering. They were excited because in their own lives, as they began to work out these principles that God had, had outlined for them and that Paul had taught them, they became excited because it was beginning to not only affect their church, but it was affecting their family, it was affecting the things that they were, they were concerned in. Their homes were, were, were well taken care of. Their land was well taken care of. Everything that they needed, every need that they had was being met. They were living in an endemic, in an endemic uh, season in their life. All they were doing, they were working, work, waking up, going to work, doing what God had did honestly giving God the full tenth. And as they begin to, to be obedient to God's will, you see this massive explosion in the church that they are excited. They're coming with their testimonies of how they were healed, how their sons and daughters had lined up, how, how things had just become the, 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 the weight of the world was off of their shoulders. And we want to get the weight of the world off of our shoulders this morning. So in verse, in verse 6 of chapter uh, 9, it says, Paul, uh, it re Paul begins to, uh, talk to, the, talk to them about the principles of sowing and reaping and by using an illustration from nature that we, we can all understand uh, this point. So it says in chapter, in, excuse me, I keep saying chapter, in verse 6, it says, the point of this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's, that's, you know, one plus one equals two, amen? That as he was teaching them is that 
Just as a farmer goes out and sows seed, when he sows sparingly, he reaps sparingly. Amen. If you, if you have a garden at home and you, you sow one tomato plant, you're going to get one, one tomato plant. But those who sow, that's sparingly sowing, but those who sow bountifully reap bountifully. So if you're looking for a harvest crop, you've got to put a lot of seeds in the ground. Amen? You've got to be able to understand the, the principles of sowing and reaping. And so he's telling them about the sowing and reaping. He's explaining to them that if you want a bountiful harvest, then so bountifully, amen? If you want to get out of debt, if you want to, to line up to the princes of God, then give, give your tithe, give your offering to God because it is God who supplies the seed, amen? God supplies the seed and it's not for us to eat our seeds, it's for us to give back to God because God works in multiplication. You give God, uh, you give God your seed and God multiplies it by, by not only just financially but by health, amen, healthy marriages, great children, amen, children that are going to school, all the things that you desire in life, God desires for you and has provided for you. But you have to understand the, the principle of sowing and reaping. And so if you sow one seed, amen, you will reap a harvest. You will reap a harvest that, that season when it comes. And then in, in, within that harvest is more seeds. So it's, it's, it would behoove us to understand that as I plant, the more that I give, the more that I, that I tithe, the more that I give to the work of the Lord, if I'm following the principles and giving the 10%, that God will open up a window, amen? That God will begin to bless me. That God will begin to do what he has promised that, that we would do. So we don't want to get caught up in wrong motives. You know, a lot of times, especially when I was young, I understood, you know, and started getting the principle of tithing. <laughs> I would give more, expecting more back. And, and, you know, did that for quite a while, just, you know, giving my money and just, you know, thinking, okay, well, you know. But then I began to realize how God had blessed me in other, words, in other ways. It wasn't about, you know, finding checks in the mail or, you know, walking down the street and finding a suitcase full of money. But it was the, it was the principle of understanding that everything I needed had been provided, that I didn't lack anything, that I could pay my mortgage, I could pay the car note. We, we were, Pastor and I, we were living a very beautiful, abundant life because of the principle that we were following by bringing our, giving of our tithes and giving of our offerings. So we must... Um, uh, understand that God is not moved by the condition uh, we've, put our, we've put ourselves in. God is moved by our heart. And when God sees our hearts turn towards him, when God sees that, that we are giving the correct gift, that we are not trying to, to, get, to, to get over on him, because God knows your heart. God knows exactly what your paycheck is. God knows what your tithe is. And I'm not beating anybody up for not paying the tenth. I'm just saying that God knows your, the capability. God knows your ability to give. Amen? And, and God wants you to realize that if you would trust him, that if you would only trust him, that he will supply every need. Yeah, we have bills. Yeah, we've making mistakes in our finances. We bought, bought things that we should not have bought. But God's saying, even in those mistakes, if you give me a tenth of that seed or you begin to give to me, uh, 
5% or whatever, wherever you can, but your consistency and the condition of your heart will touch the heart of God and it will give you a return. God will begin to give you a return when you begin to prove yourself to him. And so we must understand that God is is not the one that's going to come down. And he's, he's just not. He's not going to come down. He's not going to beat you about tithing or beat you about, you know, offering or, or make you feel guilty. God's just going to simply say, test me. Test me as he does in Malachi. He's going to say, just prove me. And it's up to you to take the test. It's up to you to take the challenge. So this morning, I encourage you to take on that challenge. Amen? Take on the challenge of being consistent in your giving. Take on the challenge of being consistent in supporting your local church. See, no farmer is going to go out and, and not, you know, as a farmer, they understand multiplicity. They're not going to go out and just put in one kernel of corn in the ground. But they're going to go and they're going to plant a field of corn, amen, and as they plant that field of corn, harvest time comes, and we are in the season of harvest as we go into the fall season. Harvest time comes, and they collect that, amen, and they put it in their barns. They put it in the storehouse. They, they, the money that they get, they put into the storehouse, and they give to God. They give to God's house. The, the farmer is, is, is diligent and following the process of sowing and reaping. Um, and it's not begrudgingly. It's giving with a cheerful heart. So in, in um, Proverbs eleven twenty four, it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the... To the one that gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another one will withholds what he should give and suffers wants. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and the one who waters will be watered, will be watered himself. God is telling us and God is saying to us, when you follow the principle, I am I'm already in it. Amen. The principle has already been set. If you sow a seed, if you sow a plant, I will water it. I will give you all the things that you need. You know, nature is a beautiful thing. As you go out and, and sow seed, that's all you need to do because God has already ready the ground for it. God brings the sun. God brings the rain. God gives everything that applies to making that seed grow. And as Christians, we have to understand that when God created us, he created us to be lovers. He created us to be givers. He created us to be worshipers. And everything that we need is already inside us. It's us activating it. It's us following the principles of it. So, um, my, my second point is that God has the ability to provide us with the resources to give. God is able, amen? God is able. One of the things that we have to understand is that, you know, God did not just make robots. God created people with gifts. God created people with talents. God created people with abilities. God gives us everything that we need and provides some resources of everything that we would ever need. Just like he did for Adam, he, he said, uh, you know, that God wants his grace to abound in us in all things, in all ways, in all forms. Everything that we need, God has given it to us. And when we, uh, when we are following his principles, there will become an overflow, just like it was in that Macedonia church, an overflow of God's love begin to prevail, an overflow of understanding the teachings that God uh, 
was, was teaching them, that, that Paul was teaching them, begin to take root. So in, 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 any, in, any, excuse me, in any form or shape that we think that we can make things happen, God's like, I've got the better plan. You know, when we look at our church, when we look at Restoration Christian Fellowship, and for those who were here in the beginning, you know how, how tough it was, amen, at those beginning stages, but just through the diligence of of, a, of trusting God and trusting God's word, we have grown into a, a, a ministry that springs forth. You know, God brought to us resources from out of, just out of nowhere, to be able to get into this building, to be able to start ministry, to be able to do all the things that we need to do. And this morning, you know, I stand and I'm proud to say that, you know, God, is, God has brought us into a place where we can properly, amen, fulfill his will for us, and that is to reach out to our homeless community. That's to, that's to reach out to those unfortunate. And that's what the church really is all about. And God said, not only will I take care of them through you, but I'm going to, I'm going to use you to provide for them. So, that, so having the tiny homes, every time I pull up, I'm just like, God, you're absolutely amazing. Having the safe parking is that God is like, this house is a house of restoration. This house is a house that has proven that it is faithful in its community outreach, that it's faithful to do the things that God has called us to do. And we as a people, we as the members of the fellowship have to make sure that we are doing our part in keeping what God has blessed us with. Amen. We we have partnered with the city of Aurora and other entities that are that have come in and allowed us to do what we what we are called to do. But at the on the other side of it is that the church side is beginning to lack, and I don't know if that's because everyone thinks, oh, the city is taking care of all that. We need the sustenance in the house, amen. We need we need to bring the sustenance in the house so where we can maintain when they come and they knock on our door and they're asking. For, for financial uh, needs. And when we're trying to address the needs, we know we've been asking for coats. We've been asking for blankets. You know, we've been asking for socks. We want to be that church that when winter comes and we're in our warm houses, praise God, they do have heating units, HVAC over there. But that's not, that's not a, <laughs> that, that's not I wouldn't want to be in there, amen, <laughs> you know, in the dead of winter with those negative degrees and that we can be able to provide so that we can make it even more comfortable for them, that we can supply them with the things that they will need, that we will be able to supply them with hotel vouchers when the weather just gets crazy cold, amen, that we'll be able to do the things that God has called us to do. But all of that is heart work. That's work that is done from a heart of God, from the heart of people. And um, we have to be diligent in doing what God has said so that we can take care of our house, the house of restoration. Right now, you know, we are struggling financially just to make make sure that everything keeps going. It's, it's not, you know, happenstance that you just come in here and the lights are on, the air is on, the worship team is here. All of that takes resources. And God is saying that he wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above all. Amen. He wants to do even more. But that comes from my heart and it comes from the obedience of our worship and our giving to him that he will, he will reciprocate it and give back to us. That God wants to open up a door. Amen. And pour us out a blessing that we have room enough to receive. If we all 
took part and began to begin begin to give of our our give financially to the ministry, God is going to look up on us like the Macedonia church and just whoosh. He's going to begin to bless us in ways that we will never understand, that people will come knocking on our door, amen, knocking on your door in your, in your personal life and in, your, in, in the church that just wants to give. Out of nowhere, people will begin to give and people will begin to say, you know, they are doing something that is manifesting the glory of God and I want to take part in it. So, as we look at, at, look at look at the harvest, you know, sowing sparingly, you reap sparingly. But when you sow generously, you reap generously. In verse 10, it says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for the sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God wants to increase the harvest of our righteousness. Amen? There's, um, there's, there's this... this teaching this this teaching that's going on that really is not about the uh, riches of of the church or not getting the church church you know lined up it's a prosperity teaching where you if you do this then you, God is obligated to do that if you do this God is obligated to do that and that prosperity teaching is is really it is a heresy and is an abomination to God because God is saying that I don't work like that. I don't tit for tat. He says, I have already established what I'm going to do. I've already promised what I'm going to do. And as we learn to follow the principles, as I give more, as I, I align with God, not for the purpose of, of gaining riches, but the purpose of restoring the kingdom of God, the purpose of reaching out and touching someone in a way that I might never understand or never know. When I give to God, there are spiritual purposes, spiritual assignments that are being, that are being released and, and qualifying me for the blessings of God. So we have to understand that our, our seed, our offering is very important to the Lord. It is a very important, it is very important to God. It is, it shows us where our heart is connected what we really trust in, amen, what we really do. As you know, my husband passed away, and my husband is a BM, was a BMW fanatic. And I have this garage <laughs> that I have to uh, begin clearing out. And I was in there the other day, and I was like, I, I actually get irritated because I got irritated every time he came home with a car. Um, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with all these cars? And I would always tell him, because, you know, and it wasn't that he, we were paying our tithes and everything, but his, his love of those cars was just, it was out of control. And now I'm left with, you know, having to, to deal with these cars. But that really was a weakness for him. I mean, he would see a BMW and just, like, lose it. Uh, and he just, he just so I, I have... I have quite a few of them in my garage. <laughs> I, I hesitate to tell you how many there are in there because it would be like, what? People would be like, that's where our time money was going to. No, it really was not. <laughs> it really was not. <laughs> Most of them, he, he started collecting them. He had another job, amen. <laughs> so it was just his hobby, and there's, there's nine of them in the garage. And... Um, <laughs> And so, but that's really where his heart was. That's really where his treasure was. He loved cars. And every time he would come home, I would just, I would just like kaboom. Because it wasn't like a discussion. It was just like, 
look, come out to the garage, look what I found. And I'm just like, you know, you could give that money to the church. No, I'm going to fix these up. I'm going to, you know, I'm, these are classics and I'm going to fix them up. Well, I'm, well, they're still sitting in the garage and um, they all work, uh, but he never got, you know, he never was able to, to fix them up. He had just started to be, just begun to start really fixing them up. And I'm just like, so are you going to sell them or, you know what, you, we, we're not Jay Leno, you know, this is not Jay Leno. <laughs> this is very expensive. But you will see where people will, you know, invest and they will put their money in pastor he put a lot of money in that garage. And now that he's gone, I'm looking at it like, what a waste of money. You know, what am I going to do with all of this? And so um, we have to really make sure that, you know, when we're, when we're following our dreams, and that was his dream, I guess he wanted to, buy, to have every series that BMW ever put out. But we have to be diligent in what we're doing. And I would often tell him, I don't get it. You know, it's just something that I didn't get. I like, I don't get it. I don't understand why you have to have all of them. So I started a collection for him where I was getting the little small model cars. Like, okay, here you go, here you go. <laughs> you know, like that, like that would suffice. But now we have a stack of every model and then we have the big ones in the garage. And so, you know, your heart really will, your heart will really settle on what you want and what you need and what you like. And I, I'm sitting out in the car and I'm just like, Lord Jesus, I'm gonna bless somebody or I'm gonna be a blessing to the church when I begin to sell these cars off. And so as, as we do the things that we like and God does not, God wants us to enjoy life, amen? That brought joy to pastor's heart. Um, and God wants to enjoy life, but at the same time, God doesn't want us to, to just indulge in something. Now, I just used to tell him, this is just, it don't make no sense because there's two of us. We will never drive all of these cars. But it was something that he indulged in. It's something that, that he loved. But in our indulgence and in our joy of doing things, we always have to remember to put God first in all of it, to put God first and to make sure that our harvest the harvest uh, that we are setting up a harvest of righteousness the major reason um, our our gifts are in a, our gifts enable us to help the church is because when we're doing it out of the pureness of our heart God is able to take that seed amen and multiply it a lot of times when we come to church and offering time comes you know we're fidgeting we're you know looking through the looking through the checkbook and we're trying to figure out can I can I really afford to give give a gift this morning Am I positioned to give a gift this morning? And the church of Macedonia, they came in, checks written, ready to go, offerings ready to go. And it pleased, it pleased Paul so much that he began to tell the other churches, look at what they're doing. Look at how they're doing. They're coming ready. Amen. They're coming ready with their gifts. They're ready and excited to give to God. So this morning, I just want to acknowledge you and admonish you to, to be ready. Amen. When you give your, when you get your check this week, when you get paid, just pray over it and say, God, how would you want me to use the money that you have given me, that you have supplied for me? You know, we come in and we do, when we give our tithes and offerings, if you're making making $1,000 a week, your tithe is $100. That is your tithe. And a lot of us have gotten stuck in offering mode where we're making $1,000 a week and putting $10,000 in the plate. You're an offerer. You're not a tither. You're an offerer. But God wants to get us to the point of tithing. Amen? God wants to get us to the point to that where we are trusting him to give that 10%. 
to give to him so that the, the, the church can move, the church can go forward, the church can do everything. God wants to make us, God wants us to be generous givers. God wants to be, us to be cheerful givers. He doesn't want us to come in here grudgingly um, having to give money. I hope that no one is sitting here today thinking like, dang, I got to give an offering, you know, <laughs> or, you know, you feel like, okay, she's beat me up and uh, I probably need to, uh, you know, try and, and, and give a little bit more this morning. But God is just saying, trust me, test me in this. So and when we give generously, God can give, God gives more to us. God will give us more. Uh, your gifts translate directly translate to the partnership that you have with God, you know, God wants us to work with alongside him. And that's what he created us to do. That's why he created Adam. He said, Adam, I'm going to give you this garden. I'm going to give you everything that you need. And together, we're going to work it. Together, I'm going to bless you. Together, I'm, I want, I'm going to, to increase uh, mankind on earth. And I'm going to do that through you. And Adam messed it up. Adam, messed, Adam and Eve messed it up by being disobedient and being wanting to do, do it their own way. So when you get your check, don't think that it's, it's just a check from your job. But think of it as a gift from the Holy Spirit, amen, a gift from God. Because he's the one that gave you the, the education. He's the one that gave you the job. He was there when you interviewed. He was there and he poured the blessings onto you to become who you are, to be where you are. And all he asks for is a measly tenth. That's a dime out of every dollar. And as Christians, we have got to make sure that, you know, when you look at it that way, like he's asking for 10 cents out of a dollar. That really isn't, you know, that's what a tenth is. But when we start looking at it as, as it multiplies, a lot of times we're like, okay, well, that $100, I could use that. I could use that. You know, I, I need that. But we've got to understand that the gifts that God has given us is for his kingdom work. Amen. That we are kingdom citizens and that we are supposed to be fruitful and multiply. So let's begin to understand these principles as we concluded um, the Dry Bones series, amen. As we stand forth this morning, amen, as a vast army working together, amen. Your 10 cents and my 10 cents and everybody's 10 cents adds up. And it adds up and it's, when it's given out of the heart, God will bless it. So when we begin to give our 10% to the Lord, when we begin to become faithful tithers of the Lord, God will increase and give us everything that we need. God has the ability and the power to provide for us. Amen. And God wants to do that. God is, God is saying, test me. Just test me and see what I will not and see if I will not do it for you. So the Macedonians, they begin, they tested God. And as they tested God, they saw the blessings that came forth. They saw their ministry increase. They saw their lives increase. They were healthy. They were doing all that God had called them to be, to do and become. So this morning, I just put you to the test as it says in Malachi. Prove me now, says the Lord of hosts, that I will not open up a window and pour you out a blessing that you do not have room enough to receive. Do you want to be blessed like that? I mean, seriously. All God says is test me. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. We want to work under an open heaven here at Restoration. Amen. We want to be able to supply for our community, for our, our 
our in-house, our, re- our, our members. We want to be able to reach out and do the things that God has called us to be, to become a force in the city, to be able to build the kingdom of God up. And it takes our resources and our obedience, our obedienceness and the collectiveness of all of us to be able to do that this morning. Amen? Amen, amen. I pray that you receive this word, and I pray that you will go back and read, read the, that chapter and um, read the, the passages of Scripture this morning and really understand that God is here to bless. God wants to bless. That your seed matters, amen. That you matter. You know, oftentimes we think, well, I only have this. The widow came with, with just her two mites. And it touched, the God, it touched the heart of God in such a profound way. So it's not the amount of your gift, but it's the condition of your heart. Amen. So let, us, let our hearts align to what God is saying.